This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports Station. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. We've been taking a look around the world of college football, trying to target some some players, some schools that may have players of interest to the Seattle Seahawks. We're sitting in a very good spot with the fifth overall pick. We'll see if they use it or if they move, whatever they do. But uh, we continue that look around college football with a man who's got a close eye on what's happening with the Georgia Bulldogs. He is their pre- and post-game host. He is with us. Uh, he's part of the Georgia Radio Network, and he's with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Jeff Tansler is here with us. How are you, Jeff? Uh, it's always great to be on with you. I appreciate you guys having me. It's uh, a very exciting time, obviously, for the Bulldogs, the back-to-back national titles, and uh, it's it really looking forward to the NFL draft, and I think there's some, some Bulldogs here who could certainly help the Seahawks out this year. Well, what yeah. you had 15, was it 15 players last yeah, year? 15. 15 members of the Georgia Bulldogs find their way into the NFL. What do you think that number is this year? best guess would probably be nine or ten. I think you've got five who are potential first-round picks or very high second, and maybe a sixth kind of sneak in there. I think Jalen Carter, who I know is is the guy that that you've certainly got your eyes on, he he definitely has a chance to go number one overall and very high. I I think he'll be the first non-quarterback taken. And and if he does go number one, this would actually be back-to-back years that Georgia's had the number one overall pick. Trayvon Walker went to Jacksonville last year. But uh, another player who, if he's on the board, would be a great fit for Seattle's Broderick Jones at left tackle when Seattle picks at 20. Uh, He came on in the national championship game against Alabama. Uh, Georgia moved Jamari Salyer, who's starting at left tackle for the Chargers now, moved him inside in the second half. Jones went to left tackle. That made all the difference, and he did not allow a sack this year, starting every game at left tackle. So those are just a couple of the names to keep an eye on and, you know, get a golden opportunity for Seattle here with those four picks in the first two rounds. Well, Jeff, uh, tell us uh, what you don't see or you don't get when you're watching Jalen Carter is his highlights. You look at his stats. You look at his height and weight. What about him as a, as a player, as a, as a person, a guy off the field? He is a tremendous prospect in every way, and he's just one of those players, too. I've never heard one bad thing about him. And you guys know how it is, you know, especially in a college town like Athens. There are whispers out there. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. I mean, he took his NIL money and did a, I think it was a turkey fundraiser. It might be a little bit off there for his hometown back in Florida. I just have never heard one bad thing. He's an extremely hard worker. And what I was so proud of him with this year, uh, last year, George had three defensive linemen go in the first round. So with those three guys and Jalen Carter, I mean, that, that was four big-time, great, all-American caliber players. Well, this year, he was the one of those guys coming back. So he was getting all the attention. He got hurt on kind of a dirty play against Missouri, had to miss a couple of games. It would have been easy for him to sit and say, hey, guys, I'm just getting ready for the draft. If he doesn't play another down, he's at worst a number five overall pick. But he comes back and was absolutely dominant. Another thing about him, and guys, we all know it in football, it's what you do in the big games. 
in the national championship game win over Alabama. He blocked a field goal and was a disruptive force. Uh, this year, if you guys go and look at some highlights of it, when Georgia beat Tennessee, uh, when both teams were ranked in the top three, he had a sack that should have been a safety uh, in the national title game. He, he forced an interception against TCU. He was dominant in the Georgia-Florida game down in Jacksonville. He comes up big in the biggest of games. And I just think about Pete Carroll and, and those great defenses he had in the Super Bowl years. And, and I know if somehow if he was sitting there, they, they'd love to snap him up. So what is there – a downside. Is there anything you look at in, in Jalen Carter's game where you go, no. well, he's got to fix this? No. Nothing. No, no, not a single weakness. No. <laughs> complete. He's got complete power. Wow. He, he he plays. He plays with those hips open. His upper body strength is incredible. He can twist to get between blocks. He can overpower. Another thing too that I always look at, and just like you guys follow the draft, we follow recruiting. For linemen, if they were great basketball players or wrestlers in high school, they usually turn out to be great players because they, they've just got that flexibility and what I guess the talking heads call the, those quick twitch muscles and fibers. And he was a tremendous basketball player in high school. I mean, I, he, he has a chance, and, and you never know what's going to happen. He really has a chance to be a dominating Pro Bowl caliber, ten year type inside player. We all know. I mean, the greatest defensive lineman in Seahawks history is Cortez Kennedy. Could he be a player uh, that good? Well, he's an all timer and a Hall of Famer. It, it wouldn't stun me if if he got to that kind of level. He is that good. Now, of course, you got to stay healthy and, and everything yeah. that goes with that. But he's got that kind of talent. Yeah. What about the the health part of it? Um, you know, is he is he one of those guys that you know? And I always say, look, it, it's not about necessarily just your health. It's about how do you how do you play or how do you how do you handle you know some of the things? Because you get beat up no matter what. Tough guy sure. is he? Very tough guy. And again, he took a helmet to the side of the knee at Missouri and had to miss a couple of weeks. And he came back and was a dominant force. And, I mean, it is a sophomore, but he had Jordan Davis, who's with the Eagles, Devontae Wyatt, who's with the Packers, and Trayvon Walker with the Jaguars. I mean, you had those four guys. Obviously, you can't double-team everybody. So he, he really flourished. But, again, this year, for him to come out and really be the, the focus, it, it really showed a lot to me for, for him to be a first-team All-American, missing a couple of games and, and, and producing – the way he did, he, he's just a dominator on the inside. So you, and he also, but I'm going to throw this out there too. He also came in as a fullback in short yardage situations, and as a freshman in the the the, um, the COVID year in 2020, we run a little fake inside. He caught a short touchdown pass against uh, Tennessee here in Athens. Just to tell mm -hmm. you about his athleticism. Can he pass the ball? Can he kick? <laughs> you know, he's just one of those players. We've got a we got a sophomore tight end named Brock Bowers, who's a two time first team All American. We say it about Brock and Jalen Carter. You know, they can literally go out there and play just about every position. I, I really don't think he's going to be there at five. Um, but I, I do think, like I mentioned, Broderick Jones. If you, I'll tell you another guy who I could see maybe late second or in the third landing is a running back, Kenny McIntosh, who's a great receiver and a hard runner. 
and, and I just look at, see, I love the NFL. I watch as many games as I can. I think that's another guy that would be a great fit there in Seattle. Well, you, you named the, the one other guy. We're, we're looking defense. This, the, the Seahawks really okay. need help in the front seven. So uh, outside of Carter and the other guy you mentioned, any any linebackers, any edge rushers, any, anybody else interior you think would be good fits? There is an outside linebacker who's a first-rounder named Nolan Smith. He was injured in the Florida game and missed the rest of the year, but he's coming back. He's almost got his full range of motion. He's an an A-plus kid, was an an incredible player, an All-American caliber. He was going to be a first-team All-American. And when when his role was changed – he jumped right in with Kirby Smart and was basically an extra linebackers coach. He was a tremendous cheerleader. Uh, so he's a guy who could be there late first. He, maybe he could slide into the early second, but he would be the other guy. Uh, otherwise, everybody else is back on the front seven, which is good news for Georgia. So maybe when we talk next year, you'll have another couple of candidates. And the other defensive candidate would be uh, Keely Ringo. Uh, who's who's a cornerback? Uh, he, he's probably a first first rounder, uh, big play guy. He had the game ceiling pick six to beat Alabama in the national title game a year ago, and then maybe later in the draft, uh, safety Chris Smith, who's a first team All American, another big play guy. He's not real big. I mean, he's not Kenny Easley, but he's got great ball skills and is an incredibly heady player. Yeah, you know Nolan Smith, you brought up uh, um, not like. You know, huge. I mean, he's two thirty-five. I don't know what this guy bench presses, but man, I've seen him run over a couple of tackles. It seems like an incredibly strong. And that's another thing, like as you mentioned, that the Seahawks are, are definitely always looking for. I think the GM here says you can't have enough pass rushers, and Nolan Smith mm-hmm. just uh, you know, it's 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 amazing what he's able to do as far as uh, when he's in a, in a size mismatch. No, no doubt about it. He also had uh, his, his sophomore year, uh, so the 21 season, he had an interception dropping back into coverage against Florida. Uh, his, his leadership qualities, he knows where to be. He's a coach on the field. I mean, he's he's honestly a guy I'm hoping Kirby coaches another 25, 30 years. Like, it, it wouldn't stun me if in 25 years, if he was Georgia's next head coach. I mean, he is an absolute coach on the field. So I think that's another guy. You know, Seattle picks around 20. He might still be there. You know, I don't know if he's maybe looking look at it maybe later first round. I, I would doubt he'd slide to the second round. But if he was there, I believe he's got the 37th pick maybe. That would be a tremendous, tremendous grab. Hey, what, what's, the, what's the word on Stetson Bennett? I don't know where – I haven't even really paid attention to see where he's if, – if he's even in, in some of these mocks. But uh, just as an individual, obviously we hear about – we saw what he does on the field, which was very good, and then we hear about what happened off the field, which isn't very good. Uh, but what, what's your impression of him? Uh, he's, he's a tremendous kid. Um, he, he's a great leader. I mean, his story is incredible. I've always said if you talk about walk-on, Stetson Bennett compared to Rudy is like Jaws compared to Finding Nemo. It's not even close. <laughs> um, but he he's incredibly accurate. He's he's a winner. Uh, some of the mocks I've seen, he's, he's not real big, but he's about Bryce Young's size. Uh, I've seen some mocks have him go as high as three and, and some as low as six. And I know what, what happened in Dallas Listen, we were all young once. He, he was out having a good time, and uh, 
couldn't find his buddy's apartment. It reminds me of a story my grandmom told me once when she saw a couple of apartment buildings in Athens with different colored doors. Said, oh, yeah, we're Irish. That's what everybody did, paint your doors a different color. That way, if you drink too much, you wouldn't forget whose house it was. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I can tell you this. I did, in my seven years of undergrad at Georgia, I did way, way worse. But the great thing about him, he was embarrassed by it. He is, you know, feels bad because he knows there's so many kids that just love him and so many fans that look up to him. So this is is a minor type deal. And I really think he's going to he, he's gonna grow from it and, and go in the right direction. So it wasn't a major type deal, but it was still the type of thing. I mean, we know how it is that people take note of, it, and it definitely hit home for him. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. And, you know, um, I, that's good to hear. That's good to hear, Jeff. Uh, what about uh, who was the guy last year in the, in the Combine? That just tore it up. Huge guy that ran like as fast as Gronk. Was that a Georgia guy? I was trying to remember. There were so many Georgia guys there. I'll it was just say yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we had – well, first, I mean, Trayvon Walker, uh, he was the number one pick. I mean, he ran yeah. like a four six forty. Devontae Wyatt's the guy who, who came in who had a tremendous time. And then Jordan Davis, who won the Outlet Awards, 330 pounds. Yeah. I think he ran a, a four eight five or something. And, you know, so he's, he's playing a lot for the Eagles. But yeah. we, we've really done – and this goes back to Kirby and the way he is – has built this roster. I mean, it, it is a th- – th- those first 22 or, or now you might even say the three deep there, there are a lot of at least pro-looking guys. And to think that – I think that's a remarkable accomplishment. And I, I love the Georgia Bulldogs to win it all, to lose 15 players to the draft, including five first-rounders, and to be able to come back and go 15-0 and and do it again. That, that speaks volumes – number one, to the type of roster that George has been able to assemble, but also the character of the leaders on this team, the, the type of guys we've just been talking about who are who are going to get picked in this year's draft. Well, if you guys do it again this year, then we'll be impressed. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever done three in a row. So it's, it's, it's been, it was a lot. We, we had a lot of near misses, and, and it was 41 years, and to win it was just the greatest thing, and then the to, to make this run through it, it it's been amazing but and, and you guys know how it is you're not going to be able to do that if if you don't have high character players and that that's one of the things kind of once kirby got it rolling you, you can be a little bit more selective with what you do with the recruiting process and that has has definitely showed so if any of these georgia guys make their way to seattle your your fans will definitely be proud of them. Well, I got to say the and uh, the the kid that you mentioned that uh, used his NIL money to yeah. to do something for charity. I mean, that that goes over very well and I know that's something that um, you know, that and it sounds like it all kind of comes from Kirby Smart because, you know, that that's one of the things in the NFL and I've said this before, I know this, you know, personally that football and the NFL will test you as a person. You know, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, and, you know, you, you've got to have everything right going in. And I think the, the Seahawks have, you know, gotten back to that. You know, they, um, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, Jeff, they were, a few years ago, they were kind of, you know, s- sort of, you know, moving the line a little bit for guys. And this last draft that they had, just really, really good, high character guys. And it sounds like uh, Kirby Smart has that same thing going there. 
no doubt about it. I think, you know, what Kirby's doing at Georgia, Pete Carroll had that kind of success at USC. And I know what you mean about moving the line. You can, you know how it is. If, if you see a player who's got the tools, you yeah. make excuses for them. If you see a player who might not have the tools, but has got the other attributes, you kind of try and come up with a reason not to take them. And, yeah. and I can tell you this again, I, I love football. I thought Seattle was a candidate to be, you know, maybe have the number one pick to be a bottom five team in the league. The fact that they made the playoffs with Geno Smith at quarterback, that goes to saying just getting the right guy. Yeah, it's uh, you weren't alone in that, Jeff. The right guys. Yeah, yeah, they had the right guys. Yeah. No doubt about it. So, and, and it, I'm glad to see it for Seattle because I, I, I love the, the atmosphere they have there. It's a college-like environment there in Seattle and you know, we, we've had, had a decent Georgia history. Matt Strong played fullback out there for many, yes. many years. So I, I hope we have a, hope we have a couple of them. But I'm telling you, if he's there in about the third round, our running back, Kenny McIntosh, would be a tremendous fit for you. Just just book it. Yeah. Hey, J- Jeff, by the way, Max Strong, I think, played about the same time that I did. And uh, we're, we're having him on the show. We're having him on the show on on Friday. At least I hope so, because he texts once every four days. Uh, but one of the things about him was, and he has been, he, he is like the guy that you want to put out there and say, this is a Seattle Seahawk. And, but mm-hmm. he showed up here with, I think his luggage consisted of a, uh, a garbage bag that he tied yeah. up and checked it as luggage. So that's, that's where Mac, and now he's like, you know, he's, you know, not that it was a, a huge turnaround or anything. He was just always such a solid guy, but you know, now he works for the NFL and just one of the most high character guys that you could ever ask for. Yeah, we, we love Matt here at George. He's actually a, a couple of years older than me, but he played fullback, our 1992 team. He was a fullback. Uh, Garrison Hurst was the tailback, and Terrell Davis was the backup. Wow. Team. So we, wow. We, we had a heck of a backfield that year. But uh, Mac played, what was it, 16 seasons and just had a, had a great career. Everybody loved him here at George. And, and, and we do have a very good history of putting out guys in the NFL. And uh, when, when your college is winning big, it's so much fun to watch these drafts. Cause I can tell you uh, there were some times in, in, in the mid 1990s when we weren't very good and Florida and Tennessee were rolling. And I think we got more draft coverage than anybody because all those Florida and Tennessee wide receivers were, were, were torching all of our defensive backs on TV. So mm-hmm. it's, it's great to be on the other end of that now for sure. Well, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch and see what uh, what the Seahawks and everybody else does for that matter. So we'll be definitely keeping our eye on Jalen Carter and everybody else coming out of Georgia. Jeff Dantzler of the Georgia Radio Network has been our guest here with Wyman and Bob. Jeff, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate the insight. Yeah, hopefully I can get back on with you guys again uh, leading up to the draft. Always a pleasure. That Seattle's a beautiful place. Always love being on with you guys. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, we appreciate Jeff. it, man. Okay, thank you. There you go, Jeff Dantzler. He's the uh, football pre and post game host there on the Georgia Radio Network. And I forgot about Max Strong, man. And uh, like I said, we're going to try to get him on. He's very unresponsive. Sixteen years. Yeah. He, did he play that long in the league? I'm not, well. He played when I. Yeah, he did because he came to Seattle the year I left. I think '93 was his rookie year, and didn't he finish in like? Oh, I have to look it up. Maybe something like that. Maybe he did. Man, my goodness! Because I thought the neck injury forced him out. Early, but 
Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, you know, I was going to say, you know, one of the, the, the reasons, like, if you look at highlights, and, you know, we've, we kind of talked about that yesterday. Did you find Max's thing there? I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Go ahead. Keep talking. Yeah. But, um, you know, the reason why you look at the highlight films, and I know that you're not going to see anything bad, but you, you can still see some, some things that you can criticize. Yeah. You know, like Ty- Tyree Wilson. Four, 14 years. Okay. By the way, in his last one he played, he just started two games in that yeah. final year. So so Tyree Wilson, 6'6", 275. I mean, there, there's a couple of things like he can still work on. And that's the the other guy that we're talking about from, uh, I think it's Texas A&M. And he's the, the one that most people have the Seahawks picking. But, um, you know, I wrote down a couple of notes on him. I was looking at his film. He needs to work on his get-off. Mm-hmm. getting off the line of scrimmage. Um, and then the other thing is sometimes I wrote down postage stamp, you know, get off of blocks. I didn't really see anything. I mean, I th- I think our guy Jeff, is he loves Jalen Carter, and he's saying, you know, there, there's no weaknesses. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're well, spoiling ahead a little bit. Yeah, we're going to get into in, the breakdown of these guys. In the I didn't want you to spoil what we're talking about. At <laughs> yeah. It's a good breakdown. But, it's but couple- no, I'm just saying that, you know, we were talking about it yesterday mm-hmm. about the whole thing of why – you know why do you look at that, and you know where you where you uh, put those guys as far as you just watching their highlight film? But uh, yeah, I, I gotta say, and we'll okay, we'll get to it. But Jalen Carter, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I mean, Deron Payne is 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 exciting, but yeah. this guy really exciting. Yeah, I, I like his answer to well, what is it? Most most people that are you know whether they're play by play whatever they'll say, well, he's got to. You know, something as simple as he's just got to get bigger. He's got to get stronger yeah. or he's got to work on this move or develop a move here. And what does is, what is Jalen Carter need to work? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, that was. What's his weight? Nothing. <laughs> well, he's fired up about his guy. <laughs> he has no perceivable weaknesses whatsoever. Yeah. That's that's pretty high praise. That's pretty high praise, especially coming out of a uh, situation like Georgia where, again, they're they're just a football factory out there putting out. Putting out star players every single year. All right. Our thanks again to Jeff Dantzler of the Georgia Radio Network for spending some time with us. Uh, We've heard about a couple of impact defensive players. We're going to compare a couple of them. Coming up next, it's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports Station. Texts are coming in, Dave. And you guys can text in throughout the show, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Jeff Dantzler was a hit. They like him. <laughs> That's funny. Somebody said that he should be on every week. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, or bring him on more. Where'd it go? Yeah. I'll, I'll find it. Yeah, it was. But well, he said he should be on every week. Yeah, he's always <laughs> said, I hope I can come back on with you. Uh, 360, yeah. this guy is great. <laughs> well, maybe we can get him back on. I mean, the radio guys, you know, radio, you know, radio people, right? They never mm. shut up, right, Mike? <laughs> the nine one six. That dude from Georgia was awesome. Have him on more often. Yeah, he he was really good. <laughs> he, he loves his guys, but look, I mean, you know, when he is that sort of, uh, I don't know, he's just heaping the praise on his. I mean, it's justified. They won. They yeah, they back won the back. national championship back again. Do it. Do it. This coming season, then we'll we'll color us impressed. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's <laughs> tough. But you know, you know, Georgia kind of taken over a little bit as far as like prospects. I'm, yeah, it was I'm, Alabama forever. It's yeah, in, Alabama, Ohio State, but LSU. The, the, the two that I really like were were LSU and Wisconsin. I felt like you know there was a while there where you look at, you know, you just start noticing like, oh, that guy went to Wisconsin. Just some really good solid players, but Georgia, you know, is. 
is top of the game. 15 players drafted. My goodness. All right, so now we were going to do this in the last segment, or you were starting to, and we had to slow you down. We had to, we had to put on the brakes because you were really excited about this. Uh, the Comparing, and, and Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech is, is the guy that, if, if you guys are out there looking at all these different mock drafts, and there are, what's funny is there'll be a mock draft from, say, I don't know, ESPN or CBS Sports, and then you'll see mock draft 2.0. And mock draft 2.5. And so it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. And then yeah. some of them are incorporating trades. I just looked at one here on the CBS that has the Seahawks trading back and still getting Tyree Wilson at number nine. Wow. Is that our guy, Ryan Wilson, by Th- any chance? This is, let's see. Who did this one? I'll tell you. So we've no. had Ryan Wilson on the last two years uh, from CBS, and he does a mock draft. And I know Mike reached out to him. but This is by Chris busy. Trapasso. Yeah, did this one. So anyway, yeah, it's yeah. Um, but, but so he's one he's one guy that that you took a look at and that we've yeah. we've heard a lot about, obviously. And then uh, um, Jalen Carter obviously is is huge and uh, has no no deficiencies whatsoever. <laughs> I'm sure he does, but you know, and that's that's always going to be like. Typically for D linemen, you know, you talk about receiver is really hard to make the adjustment to the next level because of the different targets on the field and things like that, you know, the landmarks. But then for, for these guys, it's usually about your steps. You know, it's a, you just do whatever you do. And if you're having success like Jalen Carter, typically a coach won't come over and tell you you're doing something wrong. So that that's what happens, you know, I think in – in in the NFL, and that's why it makes it difficult. But, you know, and, you know, what I kind of mentioned there was that, you know, when you look at highlight films, yeah, you're looking at all the good stuff, but you can still see bad things. You can still see, you know, if the guy's not getting the jump off the ball right, if he's not shedding blocks. And, you know, I have to say, watching a pretty good amount of Jalen Carter, I know he has some weaknesses, but he looked he looked really good. He just Kind of remind me of Cortez from the standpoint of like he just goes wherever he wants to go. Mm-hmm. So, but um, but I'll start with Tyree Wilson, who that's so DJ uh, Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper, mm-hmm. and Bucky Brooks and Ryan Wilson. They all have Tyree Wilson going at the number five slot, except for Mel. He has him at number six and has mm-hmm. the Seahawks taken Will Levis. Okay, and. Yeah. and- this guy, as I just said, has them taking him as well, but he's got them trading back Trade and back. taking him at nine, but still the same player, Chris be, Trapasso from CBS Sports. That'd be pretty awesome, <laughs> you know, if they were able to do that. Yeah, if they've if that's their target this whole time, I'm I don't know. Maybe they don't assume Jalen Carter will be there, but if if Jalen Carter goes and you now you're going all right, Tyree Wilson is the popular name and he's still there and they they trade back accumulate picks and still get him yeah that, that'd be huge oh my gosh yeah that and especially if somebody is really desperate for a guy that they really don't like or they think he's a late first rounder so the only guy um, as far as Jalen Carter goes that I saw with um, uh, other than either one through three was our guy Ryan Wilson from CBS. He had Jalen Carter going at number six, but mm. yeah. So for the most part, Tyree Wilson. I mean, he he's really a good run player too. I mean, he he really um, knows how to kind of sift through blocking and find find the ball carrier. And some of these some of their highlight you know shots are like. You know, there's a 12 yard run or 15 yard run, and he just does something really spectacular. But you know, I thought uh, the one thing that he needed to work on is getting off the ball and then you know shedding blocks. Uh, Jalen Carter. So 
Brock told this story when he was playing for Jacksonville. They were in the same division. I'm sorry. He was playing for Balt, uh, Indianapolis. The, Cor- the Colts. You, you, you got it surrounded. You'll I, find I, it. I, 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 I'm getting to it. Yeah, there <laughs> we go. Not the Baltimore Colts. But he, there was two players that Jacksonville had, and we mentioned this yesterday. One of them was Marcus Stroud. And the other one was John Henderson. I don't remember that guy. He was truly a monster. I talk about Chris Jones. This guy was 6'7", 335 pounds. Marcus Stroud, 6'6", 310. They had, I can't remember the middle linebacker, but he was a tough guy. And so those are the two guys that you had in the middle of your defense. And that's where I see where Jalen Carter, 6'3", 310, could be that kind of guy. But what Brock told me was that uh, going into that week, they took all of their interior runs and just pitched them. Like, we can't run any of these plays against mm. those two guys. And that's that's how extreme it was. They just couldn't move them. They could not move them off the ball. So, you know, I think Jalen Carter kind of falls into that category. He just looks like, I don't want to compare him. Like he said, I, I hope he's as good as Cortez Kennedy. But that would, that's a pretty tall uh, order there to, to fill. But, you know, when he hits people, they just react differently than, like, if you see him bring his hands down. I know they say heavy hands. I don't like all those little phrases, but, like, it, it just Does he really, have hand talent? Yeah. He really, he really is, like, you can see what it does to the quarterback. Like, the quarterback, it just gets ragdolled, yeah. right? It looks like he weighs 25 pounds. So that's that's the thing about him, and he does get off of blocks really well. So, yeah, this guy's, you know, we talked about Deron Payne yesterday, and, you know, I yeah, I guess I would always take a proven commodity because there's it's like what we were talking about with surgery. You know, when you have – there's always a risk. There's always mm-hmm. a risk that a guy's not going to make it. And when you know a guy like Deron Payne, that he's made it already and yeah. he can't – You mean make it in the league, not make it out of surgery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded kind of dire there. Yeah, but no, I'm, I'm just saying that there's always some kind of risk. Certainly. And, yeah, with, with a rookie. So, you know uh, – I guess I would probably, if I had to choose between the two, I'd probably take Deron Payne. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. want a different, you want to go a different route. Completely. I mean, yeah, yeah Jalen Carter may end up being a superhero, but that yeah. part you don't know. We you haven't seen him up against this kind of talent week in, week out, year in, year out. You've seen that with Deron Payne. That's a proven commodity right there. Yeah. Who's not just a guy? He's very, very good. So I'm, you, I'm with you on that. Yeah. What, what do you think about his uh, the Stetson Bennett thing? I mean. I guess in the very beginning, I was like, okay, they just won the national championship. Uh, his name is first and foremost. They're, that's why it's a story, not yeah. because it was ridiculous. The way he made it sound like, eh, he couldn't find the apartment. Yeah, what was his line about the door? Color? Everybody used to paint their uh, doors different colors in an apartment <laughs> complex <laughs> so, so you knew which it. one was yours. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good. That's but, good. And look, you know, I mean, it's it's something that sounds like he's very embarrassed about. So, Well, yeah. and that's, that, when we brought it up, like, is it is it the most egregious thing? Or, no, he, he got drunk. I'm not trying, I'm not you know, promoting it and say, hey, go do this. But my my question was more about how big of a deal is it to teams out there? If they're looking at it going, that's the leader. This isn't this isn't a defensive lineman or a linebacker. That's no no offense. But <laughs> that's your quarterback. That's your decision maker. Does this speak, you know, they're 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 hyper evaluating everything. So does this give them a red flag in terms of he's A, he's not a kid. He's twenty five. Yeah. He's not nineteen. He's not twenty. He's older than most of the kids that are coming out. And B, does it say anything about decision-making if you're a GM? And not, not that he's going to be a number one overall pick or you're going to invest that kind of draft capital in him. But 
I just wondered aloud if if that's something that would draw some negative reaction from GMs out there. Yeah, I don't think so in the football world. I think the other thing that's really um well, not that it would be different in baseball or basketball, I guess. I just think I, I feel like most people I remember Jeff Kemp, who was like the most straight arrow guy ever. Never heard, you know, a swear word or anything. And he actually had some incident like that in college. And, you know, say we we were all crazy kids. Right. You would have never, Jeff was the kind of guy you would have never thought that he would do something like that. But I think it, what's it's going to be about his response. Like, how does he, when they ask him, when the GMs ask him, because they do, they ask those kinds of questions, try to put them on the spot. Oh, yeah. See what they what they can get out of them and try to learn about them. So that's that's his answer there will be will be probably everything. All right. It is Wednesday. It's time to play the hypothetical what if. And the question today is what if one NFL team found a way to exploit the salary cap? Some say the Rams have already done that, but we'll talk about another team. It's what if Wednesday coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. What? 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 It's time for what if Wednesday. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We've been state champions, no doubt. Wyman and Bob rewrite the scripts of major moves and moments in sports every Wednesday afternoon. Now step into an alternative reality with Wyman and Bob. We do it every Wednesday throughout the hypothetical what if. And what if Wednesday is presented by Mazda of Everett. Now the question, Dave, is what if one NFL team found a way to exploit the salary cap? And again, we've you could make the... Make the claim that the Rams have been doing that for a few years. We we can never figure out how it is they're re-signing all these players, and you know everybody's got a huge contract. Stafford and Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup and every <laughs> Jalen Ramsey. Everybody's got these crazy extensions with a lot of money coming their way. But there seems to be a new team in the mix when it comes to well, wait a minute, how are they going to do that? And that would be the New Orleans Saints, because I, I sent you guys this article last night. So the the article reads the the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, former quarterback or quarterback Derek Carr has been granted permission to visit the New Orleans Saints. Um, they're they're going to, I guess they needed permission, but in, in lieu of that, at first they had to uh, come to an agreement on compensation, I guess, in a trade. So I guess the terms of a trade are laid out there, and now now it's about going and meeting, and do I want to play here, and do I fit? But the Saints are, are, if they're not in the worst shape, they're in one of the worst positions financially going into this this season, they are estimated to be a little more than $55 million over the expected 2023 salary cap of $224.8 million. They're $55 million over that. They're talking to a quarterback who's got 40-plus million. He's uh, $40.4 million of his salary becomes guaranteed if, if the Raiders don't cut him or trade him by February 15th. So he's got... They, they're going to have to obviously work out some sort of financial conditions should they pull this trade off. I would assume that the the Saints will pay a portion and the Raiders would have to eat a portion of it or I don't, I don't restructuring, who knows. But the idea that a team that is so far out of whack in terms of the salary cap in a position to bring on a player that currently is owed over $40 million for the upcoming season, how is that even possible? And in, in the article it talks about that they'd have to make a lot of roster moves and you know, do do all these different things just to even get close to fitting him in there. It, doesn't it feel so much better to be in the other on the other side of that? I mean, polar yes. opposite almost for for the Seahawks. I mean, they're top ten as far as space goes. But yeah, I, I think it's an interesting question because it's like the tax code and like that. 
And and it doesn't necessarily mean that like the Rams that they and and I actually doubt it because Kevin Demoff is one of the smarter people on the planet. Um, that they're doing anything wrong on purpose, but I think that they're taking advantage of a lot of loopholes and things that um, other teams either just don't they they don't know about it. They don't even you know they're not even aware that it exists. So, and I'm sure that those things are having to change. I wonder how many times there have been these emails or whatever that come out and say, this is the new way we're doing this part of how we sign free agents and things like that. But uh, yeah, it has seemed like with, uh, with the Rams that they've, they've been living on spent money for a long time. And I I feel like they're, they're doing something that's right. So I don't know how, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna happen in in uh, New Orleans without cutting a whole bunch of really good players. Well, yeah, and it was saying they'd have to restructure a number of deals and all of that. So I just, I just don't know how they make it work. The other part of that is, and I was talking to you about this during the break, is, is I was reading the story. I'm looking at the roster going, well, how are they in such terrible shape? They don't have that quarterback who's absorbing $60 million or $50 million, $40 million even. You don't have that guy. You got Taysom Hill. You got Jameis Winston there. So, you know, yeah, I know they've got Alvin Kamara. They've got Cam Jordan. And then I saw that note uh, tweet. I can't remember who I said it came from, but that Michael Thomas, the wide receiver, who's hardly playing, he's always hurt. Mm-hmm. He's got a cap hit coming up in 2024 of $59 million. That's the cap hit for a wide receiver. And I just I just went to Spotrack to double check that that tweet was accurate. But yeah, his cap hit, according to Spotrack, Looking at it right now, fifty nine million four hundred forty eight thousand five hundred eighty eight dollars. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I mean, we talk about, and I really do think that the Seahawks got a. I think they got a deal on on DK. You know, I thought his his deal was not that that bad. I mean, what was it? Three years, seventy two. I think it was. Yeah, it was yeah, it didn't, somewhere it, south of twenty five million. And that guy's a, a superstar. So, you know, remember when we played the Saints? They had. They had like three or four of their top players that were were out. You know, they were uh, they they missed that game. Receivers. I don't think Alvin Kamara played in that game, but yeah, they've got a lot of stars that you don't. It's kind of a sneaky team that way. But you're right; they don't have the the whole quarterback situation, which you know it sounds like. I, I don't know. I can't see Derek Carr in New Orleans, but you know if they work out the right deal. Yeah, we'll see. I I think whoever gets him is going to definitely be an improved team. That's for sure. Yeah, I, it's we'll we'll see where he lands. It's just interesting that it's the the Saints that are the first team being mentioned in this, and you know, I I, I just don't know how it's possible to make that happen. I just see where they're sitting right now and how many contracts they'd have to restructure, and it just I guess it just brought to light how how crucial these guys are that are pretty anonymous when it comes to fans and. In media, I, don't, I I couldn't tell you anything about a cap guy in any other market other than the guy here. And, and you know, and you, only because you've pointed out, I wouldn't have known him. He could be sitting next to me every day. I wouldn't have known no, who he, he was. He was the guy that brought us cold towels. Yeah, no, I and know water. That. Yeah, <laughs> when we were hot out there broadcasting. Yeah, great guy, but it just speaks to how crucial he is in yeah. in other versions. And we've talked about the fact that teams employ full time capologists, and that's their sole duty. And some teams have two of those guys. And it's I I would assume the Saints are going to employ the the best that they can get their hands on to figure out how do we how do we make this work? We need if they they've got a conviction about Derek Carr, say we need him. They look to their Matt Thomas and say, make it work. What do we, tell us what we need to do here? 
Yeah, I think he fits the profile too. That's what I always I always chose my CPA that way. I want him short and nerdly. <laughs> I, I just enjoy his get up when it's scalding hot out there, and he's got a he's got a long sleeve on. He's got his face painted white with with sunscreen, <laughs> full face sunscreen out there. What if you go to your CPA and he's got like long hair and his shirt buttoned down and a big like a gold chain and stuff? No, I wouldn't feel good about like, it. No, that's no, good. that's not going to provide comfort for me. But yeah, it's just it's it's is amazing what they're able to do. And if the Saints are able to get this done. That's going to get kudos me. to them, man. I don't know how they how they do it. Sitting there currently at fifty five over the inflated salary cap. This is the new number. They're fifty five million over. That comment's going to get me in trouble. Is it? I was going to say, you know, it's not going to be in the Seahawks salary cap next year. Room for Dave Wyman on the team plane. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah, going to be costing us too much. He's going to fly commercial moving forward. <laughs> Matt Thomas found something. This doesn't add up. We got to cut cost. Let's start with Wyman. Short and nerdly. <laughs> oh, now he's going to just lean into it. All yeah. right. There you go. That's what if Wednesday coming up. Uh, he will be back in Seattle soon, but this time in the XFL. Ex Seahawks wide receiver, now current Sea Dragons wide receiver, Josh Gordon will join us next here with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.